Good morning, everyone. Man, how many of you know that we serve an amazing God who's faithful, who's just in all his ways? And uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us before the throne of God. Man, you're getting ready to mess me up before I preach today. Man, I'm over there tearing up. But, uh, but it is such a pleasure to be with you all here today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am Jewel Robinson. I serve as one of the elders here at the church. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about God. I'm excited about his word and uh, even about what we're going to be talking about today. Um, because really, we live in a world that's, that's filled with fear. We live in a world that's uh, filled with fear, some legitimate, you know, some is often perceived. You know, if I took a poll of all of us here today and I asked you a question, what are you afraid of? Some of you would say, I'm afraid of snakes. How many of us are afraid of snakes? I see one, if I see five hands, and I see a bunch of people lying. So snakes, you know, spiders, you know, many of us are afraid of different things. Some of us are afraid of public speaking. So thinking about coming up here and actually sharing a word of, the word of God, for some of us, sounds pretty frightful, right? I see a lot of heads nodding. But then for others, this may be something that they would love doing. If you talk about the political climate, right? When, when people are, are talking about each party and it can be very polarizing in terms of the conversation and the, the, fear, the fear factor that each side is kind of throwing to the other side, right? And so when we think about this, this idea of fear, societally, it's kind of ingrained into so many different systems and so many different ideologies of society. And as Christians, oftentimes we approach the world around us with this sense of apprehension and this sense of, of fear. And so oftentimes we, we create Christian versions of, of things in order to, to try to appease ourselves and make ourselves feel better so that we don't approach it. For example, I'm actually going to show a video that kind of highlights what I'm talking about here. And some of us might have, might have seen this earlier this week. There was a video that came out that was a, a Christian version of, of, of something that is, is sacred at just about every single wedding that you go to. Go ahead and show it. Hey y'all, this right here is the Bible Slide featuring the Freedom Band. And this time, we're about to get holy, 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 holy. Holy, holy, holy. Everybody clap your hands. Clap, 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 clap your hands. Clap, 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 clap your hands. All right, we about to have some spiritual milk. To the left, take a step of faith. Pray once this time. On the devil, let's stomp. On temptation, let's stomp. Bible slide real smooth. Now praise and shout. Woo! To the right, take a step of faith. Jump out the boat. Right foot, let's go. Left foot, let's go. Bible slide now, y'all. Now it's time to get holy. Get right now to the left. Take it to the grave and see it resurrect. Come alive this time. Right fist, two pumps. Left fist, two pumps. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Backslide. No! Backslide. No! It's just a move. All right. Let's win the loss. <laughs> so how many of you had not seen that video? It's been all over the internet all week. And folks have been doing parodies of the video. 
but it actually came out about seven years ago. Don't look to the left, right? Don't look to the right. And so it's, it's hilarious. This is a, is a, a parody of the, of the cha-cha slide, if you haven't heard it before. And oftentimes, with, as Christians, we approach things with fear, and so we create these other forms as a way of trying to appease ourselves to feel better about actually enjoying what's been already created. But often what's hap what, what often happens is instead of it appearing as something that's very pure, it often appears to be something that's very inauthentic. And so we laugh at it, and most people don't consider it to be serious at all, and I don't think they were creating it to be serious at all. But when we think about what it really means to live as a follower of Jesus, Jesus calls us to live on faith, right? He calls us to live with a, a sense of hope and a sense of peace, recognizing that Christ is the great conqueror. And because he conquered the grave, we're able to conquer as well. And so today we are in our second week of Advent and uh, in our series, The Road to Bethlehem. And in this, this, this season of Advent, it's an opportunity not only to think about Jesus and him coming to live among us, but it's also the incarnate word it's also an opportunity for us to even think about his second coming, to really think about his second coming and recognizing that he didn't just come to be born, but he actually came to die and to resurrect so that we would have life eternally. And so it's all encompassing to the season that we're in right now during Advent. And so today we're going to discuss Mary's fear and examine how God used the angel Gabriel to speak peace to, in the midst of her fear. You guys with me this morning? Yeah. Amen. And so today we're going to talk about three declarations of God to comfort our fears. Three declarations of God to comfort our fears. One, that he reminds us of our identity. Two, he speaks to our insecurity. And three, we are to recognize God's ability. Let's look at the text. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So the first point I'm making today is that, is that um, <clears throat> the first declaration is that he reminds us of our identity. And so here in the sixth month, this is the sixth month of Mary's pregnancy, her, her, his, uh, her cousin's pregnancy. And so here, God sends the Gabriel Gabriel to have this conversation with Mary. And in verse 28, Scripture says that Luke said that, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And so this is a very interesting interaction here. And, and scholars all throughout history have had this, this conversation about the appearance of angels. And what we see kind of through the lenses of Scripture, is that the angel probably appeared like a person. And so, in a, in a similar form to a, to a person. And so, when they're having this interaction, what's significant about it is, in their culture, men didn't often have these, these, these conversations with women privately. And so, it was a very uncommon thing to happen societally, especially in Jewish culture. And so, they're having this conversation, and especially a, a younger woman, uh, Mary was a, a, probably a teenager, a young woman, and so they're having this conversation. And what's interesting here is he says to her, 
oh, favored one. Oh, favored one. Favored one. And what's significant about this as well is if you look at uh, ancient Near Eastern uh, writings, especially in the early first century, you didn't see a lot of writings like this where, where, where writers were talking about blessing on women. Think about that for a second. It's not often communicated. You don't have a lot of examples here, especially in, in Jewish culture. And so for him to say this to her, her, her mind, you ever see that, uh, that, um, that, uh, that, that meme with like the, the head exploding? Like this is what her mind is doing right now. She's thinking to herself, are you, are you talking to me, the old favored one? And so she's really perplexed right here. And he says to her that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. What does he say in verse 9? Let's, let's look at, begin to look at her response. But it says that she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. What type of greeting is this? She was troubled. So if we're thinking about this in 2019, she's thinking to herself, who is this dude? Who is this man coming up to me saying that I'm an old favored one? If she was a New Yorker, she would say, whose man's is this? Like, who is this guy right here pronouncing a blessing on me? This is kind of weird. I don't know who this man is, right? Because men didn't communicate like this to women. She probably questioned his motives. She probably thought, does this man want something of me? Does this man want to hurt me? She's probably thinking that. Should I fear for my safety. Women, let me just talk to the women for a second. Imagine living in the type of society where you don't feel safe when a man offers you a, a, a compliment from God that you don't feel safe. This is the type of culture that they, that they lived in. And so what's significant about this is he affirmed the humanity in, in her. He affirmed the dignity in her by calling her, oh, favorite one, and pronouncing blessing on her by saying that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And so what's happening here is really one of the most important questions that we can ask ourselves, especially as, as followers of Christ, is that the most important question that we can ask ourselves is what does God think about me? What does the creator of the universe think about me? What does the one who, who created all time, who's timeless, who's majestic, what does he think about me? Because, friends, we answer that question by the way in which we live our lives. We answer that question by the way in which we relate to a, to a God who loves us and created us for his glory and for his namesake alone. We answer that question by the way in which we treat other people. We, we answer that question by how we navigate a world around us that needs the light of Jesus Christ, that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how we answer that question. But the angel, Gabriel, recognizes her confusion. And in verse 30, he says something very significant to her. He says, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found what with God? You found what? Favor. Favor. Not shame, not harm. 
You have found favor with God. Favor with God. And so this second declaration is that it speaks to our insecurity. He specifically said to her, do not be afraid. He, he spoke to her fear. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need Jesus to speak to my, to my fears. Sometimes I need Jesus to speak to the places of me that I don't want anyone else to know about. Sometimes I need Jesus to be the one to calm my mind and my heart when I don't recognize how situations are going to work out. But the beauty of, of Christ is that Jesus often speaks to people who are fearful, doesn't he? Jesus is known to speak to people who are hurting. Jesus is known to, to, to meet people right where they are and to remind them that I'm with you, that I care about you, that I love you, that I didn't create you for shame, but I created you for my glory. Think about this. When, when, when the disciples were, 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 were on the sea and when Jesus was relaxing and chilling and they were afraid, what did Jesus do in the midst of the storm? Did he say, oh, man, stop whining. Man up. He didn't say that to his disciples, did he? He said three words that calmed everything. He said, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And the same God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in by just his voice was the same who was there in the midst of the storm with his disciples to say, peace, be still. And even in Luke chapter 8, with, when, the, when the woman pressed her away with a, a discharge of blood for 12 years, hurting, feeling shame because of her menstrual cycle, pressed her way to Jesus. And because of her faithfulness, I love what he says to her in Luke 8, 48. He says, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace. Have shame no more. Jairus' daughter later on in Luke 48, 49 through 51, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore, people said. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered them and said, do not what? Fear. Only believe, and she will be made well. She will be made well. Do not fear. And so the beauty of, 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 of Jesus and the, and the beauty of how he sees fallen humanity with love and with grace and with mercy that he's able to say, do not fear because I'm here. Do not fear because I love you. Do not fear because I am the one who's willing to walk with you when you don't even feel like you can stand. That I want to walk with you. But I love the way Gabriel communicates to Mary here. He doesn't say, do not be afraid, little girl. He don't be afraid, young woman. He calls her by her name. He calls her by her, her given name. He calls her by her, her family name as a, as a, as a way of, of getting down into her life and recognizing the humanity of who she is. He calls her by her name. I love it. 
that he sees the beauty of who she is. And that's why even as believers, it's important that, that when we remember people's names, when we, when we call people by their name and recognize the humanity of who they are. And so he says here that you have found favor. The second time Gabriel mentions this here, right? And God sees her as a recipient of his grace and mercy. Mm. And he gives her a responsibility to do something that she can't do by herself, that she can't do alone without God's grace and mercy. And so literally, God speaks to her fear. God speaks to her fear. And so my encouragement to each of us to here today, or even challenge, is to say, what fear are you holding on to that the Lord is saying, I want you to give to me? What fear are you holding on to today that the Lord is saying, give to me because I love you. Give to me because I created, I created you for my affection and my affection alone. Hmm. The third declaration that we're going to look at here today is to recognize God's ability. Recognize God's ability. In verse 31, it reads, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. I mean, can you imagine this here? Let me just set the scene up. Gabriel is having this conversation with Mary, and he's coming in, and he's, he's giving her his, 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 his best line. And she's still unconvinced about this dude. She's trying to figure out who he is, what his motives are. And so she's standing there somewhat perplexed. And I can imagine this is kind of like Shark Tank. Anyone like Shark Tank? You know, Shark Tank is an awesome show. You know, you get to see people make these pitches, and some great, some not so great. And, and the banter between the sharks is always funny. And so here, Gabriel is like, is like someone trying to pitch an idea. And Mary is like the shark. She's like, I don't know about this dude, right? And so here he's saying, he's, he's great. He's called the son of the most high, right? The Lord will give him the throne of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob. This kingdom, there will be no end. Like, this is the one that, 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 that the Jews have been talking about forever. These are the one, he's the one who is going to come back. He is the, the Messiah. He is the one that everyone is excited about. And God has chosen you to be the one to carry this seed. And so he's like giving, he's giving his best line, right? And so what's amazing about this is I love her response. Like, when I get to heaven... I hope I can have a conversation with Mary and say, Mary, what were you thinking at the time? What were you thinking? Because I love her response to this question. Because the response to the question had nothing to do with what he just said. Let's look at verse 34. What is her response? Mary said to the angel, what? How will this be since I am a virgin? I mean, can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? She's saying, like, dude, I know how babies come into the world. Like, that's cool and all. Like, he'll be great. It's cool and all. He'll be of the most high. It's cool and all. He'll be of the house of Jacob. But uh, 
how is this going to work, man? Right? She, she, she's perplexed. She's trying to figure this all out. And she could have said a number of different questions, right? She could have said, why is he called the son of the most high? Is this the Messiah? Why does his kingdom have no end? Why did God choose me to do this? She had none of those questions. She was like, bro, I'm not feeling you right now. She said, I'm trying to figure this thing out. How is this going to happen? I know how babies are born. And in verse 35, is pretty funny as well. And the angel said, answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God, the Son of God. And my dudes who are here, my guys who are here, my men who are here, when you, when you don't, sometimes when you don't know questions, you, you, you try to answer the question as best as you can, right? And so he, he gives limited details. He, he really doesn't explain the process. He doesn't say, well, you know, biologically, you know, when the egg kind of, like, there's just, no, see, some of y'all thought I was going to talk about it, right? So, so there's, there's nothing, he gives no detail as to how the process is going to happen. And so I love it here. He said, you know, well, the, see, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and he's going to come and, 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 you know, in the power, he's going to overshadow you, and then you're going to have a baby, and then, therefore, he'll be called holy, this, um, the, the Son of God, and that's what's going to happen. <laughs> and so you can imagine even the anxiety that he's feeling like, man, I, I'm, I just, this is all I know, woman. Like, this is all I know. He's going to be holy and set apart, and, and, and yeah, that's it, son of God, right? Like, he gives her no details whatsoever. And then in verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. So literally, this speaks to the power and the majesty of God. Your, your cousin Elizabeth, the one who couldn't have a baby for years, the one that, that everyone had talked about and, and the one that, that your family saw as somewhat shameful because she could never have a child. She's barren and she's actually in her sixth month. And so this is a, a, a declaration of God's goodness in the fact that she's now able to carry a child. Why? Because nothing will be impossible. The one who we thought would never have a child, the one who we thought would be impossible to have a child, that with God it is, it is possible, that God can do it. And so here, Gabriel speaks a word of encouragement to her heart. This speaks of God's sovereignty, his ability to work in, in any situation for his glory. And it's a word spoken to a fearful woman about the power and the majesty of God, about God's ability, about God's ability to transform situations that look totally different. And for some of us here today, we might have seen God's power and might have seen his hand work in situations that we thought, Lord, I don't know how in the world you got me out of this. For some of us, it might have been a family member who was in an accident. For some of us, we might have been in an accident. 
For others of us, it may be someone that we have been praying for for many years, and we saw them come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. For some of us, you think, that's me. That's my story. I never thought I would come to Christ. But yet, look at where I am right now. Thank you, Jesus. Because without God, nothing is possible. And then the final verse that we're going to talk about today in verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She embraced, she finally embraced the word that he was bringing to her. She finally embraced what he was saying to her. She said that I am the servant of the Lord, meaning that, that she now submitted her will to the will of God, that she submitted her fear, her fear to the will of God. She submitted her insecurity to the will of God and said, Lord, I'm going to accept what you want to do with my life. Regardless of any of, if any of the other questions and reservations I have right now have been answered, that I am going to submit to you. And for some of you who've, who've been walking with us over the last couple of months, you, you recognize in our, in our last series, Letters and Lampstands, we talked about, uh, Josh talked about the I am. I am. It's a, it's a statement of identity. It's a statement of identity. And so now she's able to see herself as a servant. She went from being afraid to now seeing herself as a, a vessel or a tool in the hand of God. She's now a tool in the hand of God. And the reason that she was able to do this is because Gabriel built her up, didn't he? He encouraged her. He reminded her of how God had seen her. He calmed her fears. He reminded her of God's love and his power. And so much so during this conversation that she was willingly ready to embrace. Family, when we embrace God's ability we are then able to embrace his calling. When we fully embrace God's ability, then we are able to embrace his calling on our lives, the will that he's called us to do as his people. Why? Because it's not about me. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. And that's why the Lord has, has allowed us to have the breath of life that we have. That's why he's allowed us to live in the, the communities that we live in. That's why he's allowed us to have the intellect that we have, the, the, the resources that we have, the education that we have. That it's all about him. It's all about his glory. And it's all about his namesake alone. Even the pain that we have gone through is not for us. It's so that we're able to say, because of Jesus, I was able to make it through it. And because of Christ, I'm now an overcomer, and I have a testimony about the goodness and the glory of God. Mm. Like Mary, initially we look at situations from our perspective, and, and Jesus saying, look at it from my perspective, if you just hold on. Look at it from my perspective, if you just trust me in the midst of it. And that in certain times we need to say, Lord, help me. When I'm, when I'm afraid, Lord, help me when I'm fearful. Before I close, I want to share a story with you guys. Um, so many of you know I was formerly a pastor of a church, Heart Change Fellowship. 
And um, we had a, a mentoring program at English High School, not far from here. And um, uh, we had it for about three years or so. And at English High School, uh, the school itself was one of the lowest performing schools in the city. And we had just started our mentoring program at the school. And during probably our first couple of months or so, there was an incident that happened at the school. Incident that actually made national news. There was a staff member who was hired as the, the dean of discipline, meaning that he was to work with most of the troubled students at the school. And as he worked with students, um, they found out through one incident that what he was hired to do, he wasn't doing it. So he was actually um, someone who was abusing students. And he was having students sell drugs for him. And one day, as um, uh, there was a situation that happened, and he, he had taken one of the students out with, with another, group of, another group of students, and the staff member at the school actually shot the student in the back of the head. Shot him in the back of the head. And by God's grace, it was caught on camera. And by God's grace, the young man lived. And this happened like right when we began this mentoring program. And so, you know, as you can imagine, you know, folks throughout the city of Boston were just grieving because of all of this. Well, about two weeks later, I get a phone call from one of the staff members at the school to say, Jua, would you mind coming up and, and praying, you know, praying with us and, and, and speaking with us? And to be honest with you, I was, I was pretty nervous. I was pretty afraid. You know, oftentimes we think about pastors, you know, like, man, you, are, you guys are all just walking with Jesus and you, you're all just so holy. You, just, you never get afraid of things. I was scared. I, was, I wasn't just scared. I was scared, right? And the reason was because the guy who, uh, the, the, the staff member, his nickname was Rev. And he was actually a minister at a church here in Boston. He had received commendations from the mayor of Boston. People knew him. He was a, he was a very well-known person throughout the city as being this reputable guy. But actually, he had a whole altar, altar life uh, going on. And so I remember thinking to myself, man, like he's known as Rev. Like if I come up there, are they going to think that I'm like him? Like, like, like what, is it, what is his perception going to be? And so I remember myself and another pastor who we partnered together for this mentoring program, and we had folks from our church commit a year, spending one hour a week to mentoring high school kids. And so we went up to the school, and the staff member who invited us was actually a believer, and she had all of her support staff uh, in, their, in their office. And so we came in, and really what we did was just listen. Just listen to them, listen to them share stories, um, and, and just kind of were, were just a, a, a calming presence for them. And by the end of that time, we, we, we prayed with them. We prayed with them. And as we prayed with them, I remember one of the guys, he wasn't a Christian because I heard some other, some other things come out of his mouth. But he said, you know what, I'm so glad that you guys came up here. And, and for me, it, it, really, it really ministered to my heart to even just hear him say that. And all of the staff members were really encouraged by it. Well, as time went on, the office that the uh, staff member held, they kind, of, they kind of locked the door and no one went inside. 
And it was kind of like this, this, this scary place because no one wanted to take over this office. So about, about the next school year rolls around and the same staff member is calling me up and said, hey, Jua, would you mind coming up to the school and praying over the room? And so went up, a few staff members, and we all literally laid hands in the room and prayed in the room inside the school. And then, and then a few months later, um, the uh, same staff member says, hey, um, you know, we are, we're, we're still, you know, trying to figure out what's going to happen here. She said, I'm going to actually move my office like right next to it because everyone else is afraid to be here. And at that time, we had some folks at our church and we were, um, we, we had served in a number of different ways inside the school, even outside of the mentoring program, um, you know, gifts for teachers and administrators, uh, tea passes for students. We were present at a lot of different events. And we had a team of folks who were willing to do, to do some painting. And so she invited us to come in and we painted, we painted the office and we painted that whole room and kind of changed it up and brought some other things to beautify the room. And everyone in the school was really excited about having kind of a different appearance to this room. Fast forward, uh, that next school year, that next school year, we're having a meeting with the principal and the principal comes to us and says, would you mind praying with me and a couple staff members? And we say, okay, we can do that. So we go and we pray with the principal. And she says, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming in and praying with me. She said, would you mind coming back? And we're thinking to ourselves, all right, we'll come back. Uh, what are you thinking, like next semester, you know, a month from now, two months from now? She said, next week, will you come back and pray? And so literally for two years, we prayed every Tuesday morning inside the high school that God had opened up a door for us to pray inside of a public school every single Tuesday for two years with the principal while she was there and with the interim principal once she left and, and, and took on another assignment. And it was nothing but God's grace and mercy. And so I share this story because I recognize for, for, for many of us that we may be walking with fear and we may be apprehensive to do what God has called us to do. And, and I share it because I, I recognize that God did more with me saying yes to him than I could have ever imagined. And I share that just as an encouragement that when we are fearful and that when we are, are challenged by what may be happening around us, that we serve a God who loves us and who desires to see us take small steps of faith to trust him, to open up doors that, that no man can close, that no other person can open on our behalf. And so today we talked about three declarations of God to comfort our fears. He reminds us of our identity. He speaks to our insecurity, but then also he affirms his ability. My encouragement today is, is to leave you with this. What is God telling you to accept that you've been resistant to receive? Because God is saying, trust me. He's saying, trust me. Maybe the Lord is, is even calling you to be like Gabriel and to be an encourager to someone else. How is he telling you to trust him? And to be someone who's, who's faithful with the calling that God has laid on your lives. To, be, to offer words of encouragement, to offer words of life to others who are around you. 
What is God calling you to do today with the witness that he's given you? Family, I recognize for some of us, you know, Advent season may be challenging. For some of us, Advent season may be hard because of family members and friends may not, they may not be here right now. But I want to also encourage you that God is with you. And God hears your heart. He knows your pain. And that he is there with you, letting you know that you are loved by him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being our redeemer. Thank you for being our restorer. Thank you for being the one who calms the storms of our hearts. Holy Spirit, empower us to do what we can't do apart from you. And I thank you that Mary serves as a great example of someone who surrendered their lives for you. Someone who was willing to say, I'm going to lay it all on the lot and see my life as a servant in your great kingdom. Lord, help us to surrender ourselves to you with every aspect of our being. I pray that if there are those here today who are living in fear, who are living in, in hurt and insecurity, Lord, that today would be a day where those hurts would be given over to you so that you would be the one to bring healing to their hearts. And I pray that if there are those who of us who are here today that, who have never said yes to you, Jesus, that today would be that day, that today would be that day where they say, God, I'm tired of fighting you. I'm tired of running from you. I'm tired of, of living my life apart from you. That today would be the day where they say, they say, Jesus, I love you. I need you. I need you to make me into the person that you want me to be. Lord, help me to not respond to you by being fearful. But God, help me to, be, to trust you every area of my life. God, we thank you for this time. In the awesome and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.